Hey there, folks. Before we start today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, I'd just like to remind you guys that you can check out my daily sports column. It's free by going to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. You can just check out my Twitter to find the link there. Go check out chasethomaspodcast.com. There's a link on that page. Uh, But yeah, go check it out every day. New sports story in your email inbox. Uh, Yeah, go tell a friend, share it out, send it to anyone else you think would uh, like the newsletter. But yes, every single day, go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Just Google Sports Renaissance Man, Chase Thomas, whatever you're most comfortable with, go do that. Uh, If you are an Apple Podcast listener, don't forget to leave this show a five-star rating and review. Uh, It's important uh, to help the show continue to grow. And last thing, uh, very quickly, but uh, please email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com to... Uh, get your mailbag question in or any other questions that you might have about the show, about the column, anything like that. Uh, new mailbag columns go up every Friday. Uh, if you have any questions for the weekly shows that you would like us to answer on air, whether it's John Taylor on Wednesdays, Evan Swords on Mondays, the sports reporters on Fridays, uh, make sure to get those questions in and we'll read them on the show or I'll answer your questions in the mailbag on the newsletter. So go do that. Uh, again, that's Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Uh, leave the show a five-star rating and review. Follow on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, I think that's it. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and I am joined... My old friend of theathletic.com, a very good sports website that you should subscribe to if you have not already by going to theathletic.com. Tyler Batiste, Tyler, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Not, not too bad. Not too great, bad. Great. Um, you were at AEW Dynamite last night. I was. I can confirm. Uh, can confirm that I was there in the building. Um, you know, yelling Judas at the top of my lungs like the other 7,000 people there, and uh, it was a good time. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, because next week it's out. Right, right, right. I'm so glad that that happened. Uh, you could tell there was an audible groan from the crowd or, mm. or kind of a, a sense of surprise when when that stipulation came down, that people were just kind of like, you know, oh, I'm glad it's not us. I'm glad it wasn't us that got that, uh, that end of the deal, so... <laughs> Were you waving a terrible towel last night? I was looking for you when I was watching this afternoon. <laughs> so I, I did not. I, I was on the uh, kind of on the hard camera side, mm. um, a little bit to the right. Okay. Um, in, in the first level. So uh, even if I had one, I'm not sure I would have been seen, except for you know two or three seconds when they were, you know, panning across the crowd. But um, I, I did not have one. I, I kind of regretted not bringing one um, once I saw that there were a lot of people there who had them. But there were also uh, some of them were on sale outside on the concourse and um I, I didn't pony up the cash to to go and get one but maybe next time i'll be better prepared when they when they come back to pittsburgh hopefully which is um you know not that far away or you know obviously rampage on friday so i'm surprised they don't just hand those out you know what maybe they did i mean a lot of them were um you know what you see on the camera of course was on the, the um the floor level and, and kind of the camera side of uh the lower level so maybe they were there on the seats when people uh, when people arrived mm-hmm. um i didn't see it but um, obviously, you know, they, they'll make that they'll make that work for uh, for TV. But, you know, I don't think they really needed to manufacture any sort of uh, 
pop or any sort of adulation for Britt Baker last night. That was that was insane. That's what people were excited to see. And, you know, credit to them for knowing what people came to see and and, and giving her a promo in the middle of the show and, and getting people excited about uh, her match. I, I absolutely we'll get to we'll get to that because I have some thoughts right. on that okay. feud as a whole. But um, yeah, what was that like uh, for the moment? So walk me walk me through the evening. What uh, who for people who are only watching um, the plebeians who are watching from their TV sets? <laughs> what uh, what did you pick up in in the building that may not have been picked up on television? Um. So w- one of the the interesting things that uh, my friends and I saw while we were there. Um, like I said, we were on the hard camera side, a little bit to um, the right of the hard camera, kind of looking directly at the aisle. And so we were able to see kind of the um, little holding area, uh, whatever you want to call it, for for Shivani, Excalibur, and Jim Ross. Um, and they were kind of, you know, huddled away in behind the AEW curtain that you see on TV. And so when they made their entrances, you can kind of see them talking and um you know, presumably going over any final final notes about the show and and, and just kind of huddling up and you know uh, uh, getting ready to, for the show. And then Excalibur comes out, Shivani comes out to AEW regular uh, you know intro music, and then uh, Jim Ross got announced. And the people around me were like, "Wait, is Boomer Sumer gonna play, or is is that do we not do that anymore?" And then of course it started, and Jim Ross you know kind of made his entrance and um so that was that that was interesting he kind of did a little bit of a um you know his wife is from the pittsburgh area he's been very open about um how big the steelers fan she was and and, and how close um pittsburgh is to his heart so you could tell when he walked out he kind of gave the crowd a, a wave and then kind of did a little bit of a you know a point up to the sky um which uh, i'm gonna assume is you know was kind of a a, a hello or a, a tribute to his wife that uh you know the cameras didn't catch before the show so that was that was good to see, um, you know, some of the things that you see when you're in the building, when you're um, not watching at home. So, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, when you compare it to past WWE events, would you say it's better? What do you do? Because, like, I can give you my perspective, too, but, like, mine's mm-hmm. also kind of different because I was – I don't know how to say this without coming off. Um uh, whatever. It is what it is. I was backstage for AW and at Dynamite last year um which feels like forever ago february of 2020 feels like that was 17 i know right yeah it's wild it really wasn't that long ago (laughs) but it was uh that and i was walking around and doing all that kind of stuff but like still just the all-time best pro wrestling experience in my life and one of my best all-time sports moments um Mm -hmm. to be honest but um for you what do they get right that not even just adoe but like any other companies get wrong so uh, I'll go back to kind of what I mentioned earlier. Like you, you kind of know what, um, you know, if you're an AEW fan, you're 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 probably a little more than a casual wrestling fan, right? Like I, I always kind of look at my dad as a, a casual fan, and so he's like my baseline for when things happen on Raw or SmackDown that people like me get upset about. I go to him to kind of see if he's even aware of what's happening and what piques his interest to like as the casual, you know, kind of wrestling fan monitor for me, the litmus test, if you will. So. Um, I feel like AEW, if you're at an AEW show, you are a diehard fan. And so the conversations that you just have in the in the in the arena with other people, I feel like are 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 so much uh, more fun from my from my experience than a lot of WWE shows. Um, you're, you're excited to be there. It's still relatively new, a relatively new company. So there's just an extra 
sense of excitement from my perspective when you're just kind of talking to other to other wrestling fans. And, and I'll, I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier. They knew, you know, Britt Baker is such an, a popular figure in her hometown here. You know, people would have gone crazy if she didn't make any sort of appearance on the show, um, even if it was a, a, a three minute promo. Um, talking about a match that was going to happen two days later. And I know you said you have some 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 thoughts about that. I'm, I'm interested to hear what they are. The, the other interesting thing with AEW is, is AEW and WWE don't run in the same venue um, when they come to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE is usually at uh, PPG Paints Arena, which is where the Penguins play. Um, and when uh, NXT house shows have come, they're usually at a, a smaller uh, concert-like venue that only holds, you know, a couple of thousand people at most, um, even with no seats there. AEW, the couple of times that they've been in Pittsburgh, they 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 run at Peterson Event Center, which is where uh, Pitt's basketball team plays. So it's still an arena, um, but it's a little bit of a smaller, um, you know, venue than than PPG Paints. Probably capacity-wise, I would I would es- estimate, you know, seven or eight thousand fewer people can fit in. Um, Peterson Event Center for a basketball game as opposed to PPG Paints Arena. So there is a little bit, you know, it's still a huge place, but there's a little bit of a, um, you know, a more um, cozy feel when you're at an AEW show. And I think um, the fans and the conversations that you're having with people also add to that that experience. But yeah, that's that's probably that's probably the biggest difference is, um, you know, the wrestling is great on AEW. I mean, that's that's kind of obvious. I didn't say it, but, you know, the in-ring action is is, is top quality and i think it was was that that was the case last night too whose merch did you see the most um so this is interesting uh, my friend who um um who was uh, one of my best friends from college who actually um uh, lives here now he was looking for merch um and it sounds like what aw does at least this is what a friend of his said um they usually only sell merchandise um for kind of the hometown person right so the, so the only the only merch that was there there were a couple of generic aw shirts and then a lot of Britt baker items that towel that i mentioned mm-hmm. a few t-shirts um and he's from the uh, he went to high school in the atlanta area and he texted another friend of ours who's a, who's a wrestling fan and and he said the same thing that you know he went to a, a show at some point that was you know um in that area and the only merch they really had was a lot of cody stuff um so i don't know if that's something that you know is a change from the beginning or if that's something that they're um, going to continue doing or they just decided to do it now um you know because they're coming we're all coming out of uh you know hopefully coming out of the pandemic and whatnot but there yeah there wasn't a lot of uh you know no jericho merch no malachi black um stuff no cody um or anything like that it was just a lot of brit baker and a lot of uh you know um aw t-shirts and some action figures and things like that but but really heavy on brit baker interesting it's interesting to bring up malachi cody um, because last week was just such a gigantic episode and right. was just so good. I I figured leading into Rampage this week, because they were saving a lot of stuff, obviously, for Rampage, too. <laughs> like, this was something, this was an odd dynamite for a multitude of reasons, but that yep. was something that I had written down. of just like, they're just not going to do too much because they really, really want people to tune in on Friday night at 10. I didn't think the show was very good. Like, I, I don't last know. Night's- yeah, I did not, I didn't think... By and large, it was good. It's a very forgettable one. There's not going to be one moment that we remember from this episode of Dynamite. Like every week, the last few weeks, maybe we've been spoiled a little bit where we've been uh, given some kind of thing. But like, I also think these shows, and I don't know if you feel this way, but when you don't have Cody or Mox or Paige anywhere on the show, 
mm-hmm. it just feels like you're it feels like you're watching dark elevation or something right. where it just it doesn't feel like dynamite like there those are your three biggest stars baker's probably in there too somewhere but like you not having any of those three is just like kind of a recipe and i think the numbers bear that out this week um that this was not as uh, good of a dynamite numbers wise especially in the key demo and i wonder if part of that is just like mox was nowhere to be seen hangman was nowhere nowhere to be seen uh cody malachi like all like obviously punk and brian got chance here but like right right it it just it did not have the heavy hitters it did not have like kenny is great and i enjoyed that opening match a lot yeah, i was gonna say that that da- the dante, dante martin, martin had a coming out really, party like yeah, he was yeah, insane definitely. like dante i mean his his flies i mean just by the side L's, um super over his standing hurricane rana was just nuts there were some crazy v triggers in that match i mean his reversals to end before finally succumbing to omega's one wing angel was just fantastic storytelling like dante martin was sensational and that was the highlight of the show for me but like by and large i don't know i just i thought like the darby stuff was not very good i don't think uh i enjoyed that all that much and I, danny garcia is getting a lot of play and i want to ask you well first like what i was saying there do you agree with it and also do you think they are using Darby way too much right now? Because he's already booked for another tag match next week. Um, he's been wrestling every single week on these shows. Um, what do you think of those two things? Yeah, so um, I, I kind of I agree and disagree with what you said uh, uh, at the beginning. I agree that the shows just kind of feel like they're missing something when you don't have one of those kind of big three um, you know faces on the card: Mox, Page. Um, Cody, it, it does feel like there's, I guess Jericho's one of your big faces, but you know, um, those three are kind of, it, it, you know, the other three big ones. And mm-hmm. it does feel like you're missing something. I don't know if, um, I, I can tell you, I didn't feel that way in, in the arena mm-hmm. last night. Like I said, I, I think they knew that people wanted to see Britt Baker. And at least in this market, she was the star, she was the main attraction. And so they just leaned heavily into, um, you know, having that midway through the show. Um, and, and the in-ring action, you know, I thought it was a really good show. The only, the only kind of match that I was kind of eh about was was the the Impact Tag match. I just yeah. kind of, you know, it, you know, I was, it, it was fine for what it was, but I, you know, I thought the opening trios match was really exciting. Um, I thought the Darby match was good. The crowd was really over for for Darby. I would say he was probably, you know, behind Britt Baker and Jericho. He was right there in terms of uh, of excitement. Hmm. Um, and I and I do I don't know if that came across on on TV, but um. You know, there were a lot of chance. I thought that match was a little too long, though. Yeah. Um, I agree that maybe they're probably using them a little too much. Um, you know, the, the kind of losing the 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 essence of kind of just what makes him. Um, I don't want to say enigma, but you know, you you know, you know what I mean. Just kind of that special quality. Um, I, I assume you know it's leading to some sort of like uh, turn by Sting or something. I don't even know if you can turn Sting, but I feel like you know that's going to get him over eventually down the road even more. Um, whether it be as a face or as a heel or, or, or whatever. So I would think maybe, you know, after that happens, maybe he goes back to kind of being that kind of uh, reclusive type character that, that he was in the beginning. But that's an interesting point. I haven't really thought about that, whether or not they've been they've been using him too much. I, 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 I hadn't thought about it, and now I, I kind of tend to agree with your, your viewpoint there. It's just something like if you go back, because I'm a dork. Uh, <laughs> what, so, really? Yeah, pretty big dork <laughs> over here. Um I keep all my notes on legal pads. Like I watch all my sports, everything with my legal pad. So what I do sometimes is I go back through 
and I circle if I if I, if I have like an inkling while I'm watching something of like how many times like if I did this with Raw I think I would just like have an aneurysm where it's like when was the like how many times have we seen blah 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 <laughs> and I would just uh, my brain would explode. Um, you're not gonna believe this. Raw stinks, but uh, yeah, yeah. I just I go through it and I'm like AEW does a really good job of making you miss somebody and like making you appreciate right. them because like you're not like you get that malachi cody moment you're not gonna get them next week so appreciate it now and you're gonna be like man i miss malachi i miss mox i miss eddie kingston i miss lucha bros doing awesome things i miss archer just throwing dudes around like because you just you never know who you're gonna see each week like that is a cool thing for this promotion to still have that kind of like so many years in now where they still have that I don't know who is going to appear on this show week to week. And that is a really cool thing for Dynamite to have. But when you have somebody like Darby appearing every week, not even just appearing, but wrestling every week, you're like, okay, this this is weird. This is kind of out. It, it sticks out more to me. So I went back there and I was looking at just how many times he's actually wrestled on television. And it's just, it's a lot. And I, I obviously, it's not hurting his overness. You were there. But I do yeah. wonder um, for people at home, it's just like, I, I don't know. It's just it, he's overexposed a little bit, and you talked about Sting maybe being the guy that uh, turns on him. I think the logical ending of this Darby working his ass off over the the course of the last year is a bigger dude just taking him out, like giving somebody a big heel spot, kind of like what Malachi did to Cody, just knocking Darby out for a little bit. Like really, I don't know who that is. Maybe it's Miro because of their history. Yeah. I I don't know, but I think that's probably the logical conclusion. Maybe Wardlow would be actually pretty interesting because he really could use something big um i don't know i just think that 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 makes sense as something uh to get him off tv for a little bit and make fans want to see darby again but then on the flip side sorry there was an ending to this too which is um i think it was mike pellucci formerly of the athletic we were talking about this too where it's like no one believes that Darby's for the long haul in this wrestling world like just the way he wrestles like it's just it's high flying so you've got to maximize his viability while you can so i understand that perspective too of just being like let's get these matches in let's get these crowds at because we really have no idea how long he's gonna be able to put his body on the line like this i wonder how much of it too is is the fact that sting has been with him so much recently like Mm -hmm. i still think there's a you know sting obviously is in his 60s and you know he's he's not you know the sting he was in the in the 90s or anything but there's still kind of a um an excitement and kind of coolness factor i think that people are still like wow we're seeing sting we didn't we didn't think we would see sting ever live again you know after you know six seven years ago and and even before that you know he was just kind of you know out you know doing his thing a little bit in tna and on indies and stuff so i think part of it is i wonder if that's part of it of just like okay but this partnership works it seems like people are responding to it we just got to get as much out of it as we can as you talked about because of Darby's style, but also because of, of of kind of the you know before the Sting shine maybe wears off a few months down the line where people are like okay let's get Sting out of here let's get some fresh blood and, and just kind of you know kind of um, squeezing as much out of that towel as you can so um, that's interesting about his style though I didn't really think about that and but 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 yeah the the way that he uh, wrestles is not is certainly not somebody who's going to be doing this in in twenty or thirty years you wouldn't you wouldn't expect was it you and I who talked about Cage moving to Impact for for a couple months while uh, i i don't remember honestly <laughs> i know i said it on this podcast and as i was watching this show take place and um him calling don Callis a carny piece of shit and things like that i 
I, now I'm ble- I I want to I I swear also, it was also he- called him a jag off, which which, yes. which is the biggest pop that the the crowd got from from that segment because because they were uh, I'm assuming you could hear on TV, but there yes. were there were some very loud CM Punk chants and um, also when 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 Christian kind of announced that he was gonna you know challenge Omega, uh, the crowd was a uh, mixed, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I just. I, I said that this made a lot of, like a lot of sense. There's no path for Christian on the show. Like there's no path for him to be the top guy for a while. He's not winning the AEW World Title. Um, he's winning a bunch of matches, which is good. But like on Impact, I, I mean, I still watch Impact every week. But like there's a there's a dearth at the top of mm-hmm. that card. Like he already has the history there. Let him dominate. Like work both shows. Like let him dominate as the top guy an impact for a while while also working and appearing on AEW with the impact world title. Like I, I, I popped really loud for this. Cause I was like, okay, this makes sense. This is good. This is what I was pitching three weeks ago. So shout out to Tony Khan for listening to the podcast and putting <laughs> that into the script because I was like, it makes too much sense to just put the belt on cage for the impact title and then fall short at dynamite or at all out for the world title. Like that makes a lot more sense to me. And I, I understand. I, yeah. I like I like that idea. I don't like the fact that they're 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 wrestling one on one, you know, two weeks before mm-hmm. all out. Like I I, I, I on paper I, I, I kind of agree with what you were saying that there's a dirt there and, and that he could he could probably make you know, show prove his worth a little bit more if he had that title, but like I, I'm I'm not a fan of a one on one match, you know, two weeks before you're gonna have another one on one match, which also makes me think that there's something much bigger planned for all out, which I think a lot of people are, are already kind of assuming. How excited are you for Big Show? Excuse me, Paul White. Yeah, no more BS. Yeah, no more Paul BS White. versus Anthony Ogogo, which is clearly where they're going. Uh, I not really excited no. to be honest with you. You know, I'm I'm happy for for Paul White that he's you know getting to get back in the ring because he he feels like he still has some left in the tank. But you know, I not not particularly one of the things that I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, if I if I go down the list of things I'm I'm thinking about when it comes to to AEW, so good for them, you know. What whatever. It's not <laughs> for me. It's me, like but, certain you know. things, you know, like when you're you're at a good restaurant and you you like the restaurant, but there are some things in the menu you're like, this is not for me, but it might be right. for somebody else. Right. That yeah, is what this is. Exactly I like this company. Is. I like this promotion. This is not for me. I this is this feed will not be for me. I'm not intrigued at all. No, and thank more you. More power to people who, yeah. who for whom that is for. But I'm just, I'm just not one of them. Right. Um, NXT had a lot of releases over the last week. Um, they've changed course. Obviously, there is the report that the locker room is pretty tense ahead of this week's episode of NXT. Um, what do you make of the changes of just like getting rid of all the young and smaller guys? to err on the side or all the older and smaller guys to err on the side of younger and larger um the the like what did you make of this report it was bonkers to keep up with sean ross sap of fightful that night of all the releases and everything what was going on there um now that you've had a couple days to think about it and process it what do you make of nxt uh becoming an entirely different thing and uh cleaning house as they continue trimming this roster and figuring out what's next it almost it, it kind of seems like I don't want to say they're like admitting defeat, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It kind of it it kind of feels that way that they're just kind of like okay, um, you know they would never admit that there's kind of a wrestling war going on, but it this also this also really feels like they're kind of like okay, well this isn't working. We need to 
we need to change course. I don't really get it. I mean, I think um, I don't. I think NXT has been good. It hasn't been as good as it you know maybe was during you know its peak or what I, I think a lot of people probably consider its peak a few years ago um, because they had so much talent there. But I don't. I don't really get the let's get let's go younger and bigger type you know mindset because you need you need older smaller you need, you just need that diversity on a roster to kind of make everybody um, better you know if, if if a bunch of developmental talent is just working with um, a bunch of other young big wrestlers that like when they actually face someone who's not you know six foot seven and, and green in the ring that like they're not going to know what to do right so it just seems like it's it's problematic all around and it also seems like the, the people who are more hands-on with nxt like triple h and Shawn michaels didn't really have any say in the matter which is which is kind of the most concerning thing of all if you're looking at you know how you're running a, a company or, or or a business i'm not gonna you know I, i'm sure vince mcmahon and those people have, have, have obviously way more experience in that realm than me but from the outside it just it doesn't really make sense and i'm, I'm curious to see what the what the end game here is if there is one uh, i hope hopefully there is one and it's not just like okay let's change and without any sort of goal in mind but um yeah not a, not a big fan of that i know what the goal is what what is it they want another prototype that's it like that mm-hmm. is where they're at is vince is like having cena back and being able to use mm-hmm. cena and roman reigns at SummerSlam. he's like oh right this is what we are this right. is what we've always been We've gotten too cute acquiescing to these vanity projects and 205 Live and NXT. He's like, I want to get my next prototype. I but want also, my next Brock Lesnar. Now? You know, like it, like why you, you would think that 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 Rain Cena has been at least in the works or, you know, talked about for for the past, you know, for longer than the past few weeks. Right. So like why? You know, I guess is he seeing success with it that makes him make this change? You know what I mean? Like if they started talking about Reigns and Cena internally in like May or something, you know, whenever they got the word from from Cena that he'd be free, then like why not make this change? You know, in May. You know, I I, I don't get that. Well, I think it's also just seeing it in real time. Like, right? AEW cannot touch Roman versus Cena. It cannot right. touch Roman versus The Rock. Like that is something that like Vince is wrong power, star power there is just, yeah right Vince is wrong about a lot of stuff in professional wrestling and one of the things that I've always wondered about Vince and if I could ever get him like I, this will obviously never happen so I'm okay with just saying this but like if yeah, I ever got a one-on-one just yeah. 15 minutes with Vince one of like the first question I would ask him because I genuinely think I know the answer but I would love to know if he would be honest with me about this is I think Tony Khan, this is the fundamental difference between Tony Khan and Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon does not like his audience. Tony Khan loves his audience. Tony Khan is a professional wrestling fan. Like Tony Khan, when he books shows with Cody and everybody, he is booking the best possible show that he thinks his listener or his viewers want. Like he is thinking, how do I leave people here the happiest Vince is saying I know better than what these people actually (laughs) want I he would not like he's probably I guarantee you that man is repulsed by the majority of his fan base repulsed would be my guess like this is all a general assumption for me but the history of being a lifelong professional wrestling fan he believes in his vision over everything else 
and he's right to some extent like he nailed the rock he nailed stone cold like he's been around forever he won the war in the 90s like there is something to that but i don't think he like he does not like nxt he does not like this kind of stuff this is not for him and it's never been for him and if it's his company like this was always gonna be a thing but i'm also just like extremely excited that we can move on from nxt because the disconnect and us talking on podcasts year over year over just the failures of nxt call-ups in the main roster it's because there's no synergy there was never going to be synergy between vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard and triple h and Shawn michaels that was never going to happen so what is the point of what we're doing here what is the point of any of this if keith lee's going to debut on raw with no 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 new like his new like his new sounds are gone everything it's just you don't even know what's happening and you're like what has happened to keith lee this guy who was in next year like what has happened to um just insert name here andrade cien almas like in yeah what's happened to johnny gargano when they called him up randomly like it carrying cross the latest example obviously but like if we're going to keep doing that nxt doesn't need to exist because there's no point if there's no synergy there's no point to the whole thing because it's if you're going to call this thing next then it needs to be next it needs to be like when they come to the main roster here's this awesome thing that came from nxt but he's not going to do that because vince doesn't watch and he doesn't like it so he's not gonna be like <laughs> let's spend 10 minutes hyping up this nxt guy he's gonna be like no why am i spending 10 minutes hyping up johnny gargano are you kidding me i'm not doing that that is like so at that point what are we doing here so I, I I think a lot of it has been made of like the, the kind of failures of some of the call ups that have gone in the main roster, but like they've also had some success, right? Like I I don't want to make it sound like nobody who's gotten called up from NXT has had any semblance of success. Like, you know, Bailey, Rhea Ripley, you know, Big E, um, you know, even even Sami Zayn who hasn't been a world champion, he's he's a constant presence. He's been a constant presence on on T V for you know, the past few months, he's had some injuries, obviously, as well. So, like, there, there's been some hits and misses, but I still I agree that there's not a whole lot of synergy. Like, it seems like they're just kind of getting lucky with people who are just, you know, kind of taking whatever they're they're given and making it work, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that assessment. I don't want to get inside. I don't want to speak for Vince McMahon, obviously, but um, he, he does seem like you know he's kind of more of the um, the sports entertainment, you know, business money machine side of things and and and, and agree, agree with you there saying like like i know what works best because look at what i've done for the past mm-hmm. 40 or 50 years and, and tony khan is actually someone who's not only listening to fans but he's he ha- obviously has like kind of a close circle with with cody and the, and the mm-hmm. young bucks and those people who can kind of you know take these different perspectives and, and make it work for what goes on on the air you know i'm sure vince's circle is probably a fair amount of people who have been in his circle at various points for a, a long time and, and just kind of reinforce whatever he happens to be thinking. It's not like, you know, people who are kind of pushing back on, okay, what about if we do this? Or what about um, if we, if we take this approach, it's just probably a lot of, um, you know, yes, men and women who are just kind of like, yep, that, all right, Vince, that's what you want. That's what we'll do. <laughs> oh, which, which can kind of make things stale. And I think has made things stale for a lot of the main roster, especially with raw. Um, but that's a pretty good assessment, you know. Tony Tony Khan is is just kind of he's one of us, right? Like he just happens to have billions of dollars and actually has a a wrestling company. But he's actually you know listening to what the fans are saying, and that's that that's that's what made that's what's been so surprising with the um, Omega Hangman situation. Mm-hmm. Like it's I was 
you know, because Tony Khan and, and, and they and they proven to be kind of a, a person or a company that kind of really listens to the fans, like it was the past few weeks, Hangman has been so over and it looked like they were going toward, you know, an, an Omega page match at all out. And that's what the crowd wanted. And to see them in a sense kind of stick with their guns that, you know, with Christian, which was obviously the plan all along after the way, you know, Hangman lost in that, that the, the multi-man tag match uh, recently. That was interesting that they didn't, you know, change course and say like, okay, the fans want Hangman Page in this spot. We're gonna give that to them. Um, what also helped so that, was Hangman taking family time away, where I right. think he to go with his um, newborn. That yeah. that also is a factor in this, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's a good point. But you know, I, you know, I, I, am I am I wrong thinking that way? You know what I mean? Like, if there's a maybe there's another domino that hasn't fall, fallen yet, and they're just gonna get through this period, but. Man, the fan they they were so in the hangman, like you know. I, well, even if he gets the match and loses, I, I I don't know. I just that was kind of weird to me. But I, I agree that 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 probably had something something to do with it as well. I don't think he's gonna be any less over when his music hits when he comes right. back. Like he's right. gonna be fine. And I think the story of him just being like, the Dark Order's got to go. I fail. Blah, blah blah. Like I think that's gonna work. And I think fans are not gonna move off hangman but i also think and this is something that i think is important to think about with omega and the elite and where they're at is i think they're trying they're doing omega a solid here because i don't think he wins the belt again after this like i think he probably mm-hmm. wraps up his uh consistent in-ring run not too long from now i, I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people are ready for that but like he's gonna become a part-timer i think sooner rather than later and I think they're maximizing this window with him, with the right. belt. And also, he's only had, what, a month and a half now of shows with fans as ch- champion? Like, yeah. I think they want to make sure because, like, one of the sad things about AEW, and this is not AEW's fault, um, obviously, but, like, the fact that they missed Mox with fans for months right. and months with the belt, and then Omega with the belt for months and months without fans, like, that is a huge, it was just a catastrophic blow for them and for us as fans like to be able to experience just every arena losing their minds for the two best wrestlers in the world being at the top of their game and holding the top belt in the best company in the world like it will never get that back like we'll never get that first run of mox on top back we'll never get this run with omega again so them extending it out i think makes a lot of sense and it's doing the right thing for these two paramount figures within the company yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, Mox's entire run was what it was February last year to December, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know, maybe there was a, a month there in the beginning where there were actual fans. But that's obviously before he kind of, you know, found his way and in, 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 as, as a champion there and, and, you know, kind of you know, started to make his mark as, as, as champion. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I haven't really thought about uh, Omega. What is he? Thirty eight or so? Thirty seven? he's an older 30 right yeah yeah because I mean, he has worked so much yeah yeah and his style his strong style like he is right. yeah he turns 38 this year next uh in october 16th he turns 38 he's just he's nearing the end like he's not getting another year-long title rant at the top of this company like, it's right. not happening there's yeah. too many guys and that's the other thing there's too many mouths to feed and this is something that i'm so curious to see what happens with aw over the next couple of years especially with punk and brian coming in is that these guys have to fade and that's what cody was like why the cody stuff made so much sense last week is he's been all over everything for the 
first part of this run. But like, if you're going to sign all these guys, somebody from the previous era has to fall and they have to go away and they have to move aside. And that's what they're doing. Like Phoenix hasn't done anything. Like Gray Phoenix has just fallen off. He's an incredible talent who could be a top star in this company. Simi Guevara is going to age up. MJF is going to keep getting older. Like these guys are going jungle boy down the line. Like there's a lot of mouths to feed and these guys cannot just hang around on top. Like it's just, it's not, it's not sustainable. And it also would be good for, for, um, you know, I know people sometimes criticize when WWE does mm-hmm. it, but like having those kind of like um, name, well-known part-timers who can kind of like come in, you know, once or twice a year or whatever it is, or, or maybe more than that, and just kind of like put over those younger stars um, without, you know, with the understanding being that they're not like, you know, coming for their spot, so to speak. So it might be good to have, um, you know, a couple of those, whether it be Cody, Omega, or anybody else, and, and just kind of have another level of, talent that's around but they're not you know hogging the spotlight yeah um, for sure yeah yeah that's one thing they don't really have right now which you know um wwe probably leans too too much into that um yeah in, into that situation but um there's a there's a middle ground probably between what the two companies are doing right now yeah for sure for sure the last thing i want to touch on um keith lee revealed why right. he's been away for um several months and why he just now returned scary scary stuff yeah 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 um, uh, i watched that video earlier and um you know it was it was good that he was as candid as he was and forthcoming as he was because obviously you know he didn't know owe it to anyone to reveal any of that um but you know i'm sure he's probably seen enough talk or rumors or, or um just discussion online that he felt like he needed to address it um it, you know he seems to be in a pretty good place and, and he kind of said that you know that the the biggest fight was that um, that health situation so like everything else now is kind of you know um, just kind of extra so I, I, he's got a pretty good perspective on what's going on I hope that people in like a couple of months aren't you know arguing about his his spot or or and all this other stuff because it seems like he's in a good place and he's he's blessed to you know to be healthy and back in the ring and, and yeah personally I hope that you know maybe this um, he, he gets a nice run he fits the mold of what you know people like Vince McMahon has been talking about with like you know, bigger wrestlers, and obviously the crowd has been behind them, and and um, I'm interested to see where that where that goes. But that was a pretty pretty emotional video, and and I'm, I'm glad to see he's doing well, and and he's positive about it. And um, you know, you got to count your blessings, man. Like you know, this this whole COVID situation is is, is scary as hell. So um, you know, to hear somebody who's gone through that um, come out on the other side and and get to continue doing what they love to do is 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 a, is a good thing in the long run. Absolutely. Uh, it turns out. COVID real and scary. And, right. Uh, yeah. Extremely. You don't know. Um, but brave of him to do that. And I appreciate it. And I hope for the best. And it seems like he's turned the corner, which is good. But man, it'll still be scary watching him for a while for me. Like I'm still going to get uh, a little nervous, but I'm glad they caught it. And it's also good that they caught it when they did, because that could have been just yeah. an all time, all time disaster and heartbreaking story, uh, potentially in pro wrestling does not need any more of right. those whatsoever and agree yep tyler what can we check out from you across the athletic.com this week uh well you know we got a lot of summer league coverage out there on the athletic nba site and um you know our staff has done fantastic work with the draft and free agency and i, I hope a lot of them uh president company included get some downtime here over the next few weeks um, but you know, there's, there's a, a lot of great content over on the site. People get ready for football season. I would just say, uh, the best deal you could, 
you know, make if you're a sports fan is uh, getting a subscription over at The Athletic to check out all of our content, um, but especially the NBA stuff because uh, that's that's my squad, that's my team, and uh, we do good work. So go ahead, check that out if you don't have a subscription already. Absolutely. Read it every day. It's great stuff. The Athletic NBA show, also very good, like Basketball Buds, um, Nerdish You Wrote, my personal favorite during the week. But uh, yeah, go check that out. Tyler, thank you so much for making the time. I'm glad we're able to do these consistently. These are good. I love talking oh, wrestling yeah. with you, man. I'll, I'll, I love it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, we'll talk very soon. See you, Tyler. See you. All right. The Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast rolls along right after Chicago White Sox. Winning on a walk-off in the Field of Dreams. A delightful experience where Kevin Costner was on the broadcast for far too long. Uh, I am joined by fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green to not talk about said game, but college football and the Big Ten this evening. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is uh, good to be back. I saw... I just honestly, I saw the intro, mm. um, the walking through the corn and everything. That was pretty funny. I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but it was pretty funny. I like that. But um, I didn't watch any of the game. It was a, it was a good game, though. It was good. It was it was a cool, different experience. Um, they talked about the corn way too much. They talked about uh, it was a little bit too goofy the broadcast for me. Where um, I don't know. I, I love that movie, so it all works. And just seeing a home run into the cornfields is a delight. But um, the attire, like Tom Verducci was wearing like this this weird hat, and then John Smoltz looked like a newsie, and Joe Buck was wearing a bow tie, and uh, I was out on all of that. I was out on, on that whole deal. Um, but I love the sound of bugs in the broadcast. Like that was in, That was my favorite thing, was that you could just hear all the uh it, i don't think it was cicadas but it was it may have been cicadas but it was just kind of drowned out versions but i i enjoyed that and it just was a different type of thing yeah that's uh whatever whatever floats your boat i guess man i like the uh I like that crowd noise you know i don't i don't tend to like the crickets crowd noise is there any crowd noise for a regular season braves game there's outside of like the walk-off I, I mean, from here in Oh, Albies, that was that was an exciting one the other night mm. for sure. But uh, yeah, just it's not like baseball is like nonstop noise, but just the crowd erupting when things happen. You know, the big time double where the guy you know slaps his hands, looks over to the dugout, and the dugout's getting rowdy, you know, and all that stuff. Crowd's going wild. Gotta love that stuff. Yeah, but you, you know, you so. take you take your crickets in your cornfield if that's what uh, if that's what does it for you. Mm-hmm. It was just weird because it's like Kevin. Co- this isn't Kevin Costner's dad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he played him in a movie. I'm sure that guy's younger than Kevin Costner, right? I just feel like we all love this movie Field of Dreams, but it's like I don't know. The whole thing seems so over the top. Like I just saw these pic. I just saw it on my feed on my Twitter feed like all day. It was just I don't know. It was funny. It's a. It was a cool venue. Like I, that was like one of the. Like that was a. It was a cool venue, and I'm glad, glad it happened. And that's no a doubt, bu- it's a bucket list thing. I would like to go see the Field of Dreams and well, go do that. Also, I saw a poll today. Is it play catch or have a catch? What is your vote? Ooh, um, I think I'm thinking back to my dad and I talking about it. I think. 
We said play catch. I'm a play catch kind of guy. Yeah, I'm pretty have sure it was catch play catch. Seems weird. I would only say have a catch as like a joke, mm-hmm. kind of referencing the movie. But I would never actually talk like that. Yeah. I, I think know, it's like it we play me. basketball, we play ca- like you know what I mean. Like I think it's just like we play football. Some people say like let's you go shoot hoops, and it's like yeah, I don't like that. That sounds terrible to me. Like shoot hoops. Like yeah, I guess that's what we're doing, but I don't call it that. I don't enjoy the word hoops with stuff like that. Like I, there was like this weird. So there's like what would you say? You're just gonna go shoot, shoot some baskets. I always said shoot some baskets. baskets. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I guess that's the the term I'd probably use. I don't know. Hoops is like a weird Hoosiers type thing, and I hate that movie. Like, I always think of Hoosiers with hoops. I always think about people who are like, basketball's changed for the worst. If you say hoops, there's a direct correlation between you having bad basketball opinions and whether or not you use the term hoops. <laughs> I, don't know if I, I don't know if I can speak to that, but are you a Hoosiers fan? No, I hate that movie. Dude, I almost called that. I feel like I knew you were going to be someone who like hated Hoosiers. I don't know. You're such a contrarian so much of the time. I don't know what you're talking about. But I Hoosiers is an all-time great one, mm-hmm. man. Jimmy Chitwood. Oh, that's that's one of my great my my uh, one of my favorite sports movies for sure. Top well, here's five. the thing. I Maybe mean, do you even have top five sports movies? Because most of them are terrible. Like, most sports movies are objectively awful. So, like... There's a lot of good sports movies. That they is an incorrect statement. Older. They seem to be older. They don't seem to be making any good sports movies recently. Incorrect. The best sports movie of all time is Goon, which was not that long ago. Is what? Goon. I haven't even seen that. I don't oh, know that Goon's is. incredible. I'm thinking, like, Remember the Titans, you know? Ruby, good movie. Like, it's in my top five. Um, I mean, like Major League. It's like a comedy, but not I feel like good. Major League's a classic. Doesn't hold oh, up. You don't like Major League? Oh, no. Major. Oh, Major League's a classic. Are you gonna put Airbud in there? No, Airbud's not not top five quality. It always hits me in the feels, though. I don't know. I don't want to. I can't just jump into this. You know, I wasn't prepared for this for this topic, so mm-hmm. I'd have to do some some real some real thinking here. You know, well, what what counts as a sports movie? Like. Caddyshack is that a sports movie? Ooh, like, that's a good question. You know, Brink <laughs> is that a sports movie? <laughs> <laughs> Let's pose it to the listeners. Email us at chasedonspodcast at gmail dot com. Let us know what you think. If Caddyshack's a sports movie, that's that's definitely an all timer right there, and it's definitely got a solid sports like plot line in there. You know, so. But know. the thing about Caddyshack is that it's also not good. <laughs> well, how do you? How's Caddy Caddyshack's a classic, man. People say that. Okay, this is you know what Caddyshack is to me. So yeah. one of the things about older movies or older things like that that just become revered throughout history and just become accepted is awesome. Um, this is how classical books. Like I read a lot, Matt Green, and one of the things that always annoyed me was people who just associated classic book with good book. Those are not. Uh, one and the same. Like you can just because a book is older doesn't necessarily make the book better. Like there are so many books on my bookshelves right now that were made in 2018, or I shouldn't say made, were written in 2018, and would wipe the floor with James Joyce, wipe the floor with um, Great Gatsby. Like we just, it annoys me that those are just like considered the greats, and it's like so is nothing gonna be better because it's just older, and we've just all accepted that these are. 
the best books of all time and you can't surpass them. It's like, no, Faulkner has, there's all kinds of better books than Faulkner. Like John Grisham writes better books than Faulkner. Like there's all kinds of stuff. Like we're, I don't know, this, that's a pet peeve of mine just because it's older and Revere makes it better. And it's like, no, it's just, uh, Caddyshack is also not for me. And part of Caddyshack, I think different for a lot of reasons was that like my family and all the people that loved it so much just said it was the funniest comedy of all. And they, they would cite it. And I watched it finally later in life. And I was like, I didn't laugh audibly once. What they were yeah. right on was um, National Lampoon's Vacation. That will always crack me up. Christmas Vacation Christ- will Christmas always. Christmas Vacation yeah. is my number one. Exactly. In the, I don't, I'm not as high on Vacation as Christmas Vacation. Mm. but um, They're both great. But Chevy Chase, I feel like he was like, a, he's like the Vince Vaughn of that era kind of he's like the same character and everything he's in but he's uh he made he made a couple of good comedies he made up more than a couple he made a lot i mean he was even amazing on uh he was community in a too many though <laughs> he did he what was the movie terrible. fletch i was looking it up i was like i love fletch that's a good one um fletch. that's a boomer comedy right there fletch for sure like that's like any one of our parents generation like that's like that's a classic mm you gotta be careful with those classics people just say classic and you're supposed to like it um <laughs> it's right here it naturally leads us mac cream to byu football people forget that you can transition from chevy chase to byu football um they had the best story seamless segue thank you sir i am a professional um byu did the best thing thus far on nil i would say did you see the story Oh yes, but I think this is a I think this is a slippery slope here. Yes, the slippery slope of getting more kids an education. No, man. I mean, Alabama's only allowed eighty-five scholarship players. Mm. Now, what's stopping a big booster? Obviously, I don't want to like what you're referring to is yeah BYU someone a company like paying for all their walk-ons. Mm. Uh, tuition yes like what's what is preventing like one of these big time ohio state alabama these boosters from just paying for an extra 20 scholarship players essentially you know like i feel like this is just a very slippery slope like it's an awesome story like just hearing this in byu but like with this all this nil thing when the money is allowed to exchange hands now like oh man i just Teams are going to find a way to uh, to exploit it to their advantage for sure, and the teams that have the most money are going to be able to to essentially buy more scholarships like this. Like, I have some bad news like for you, Debbie Matt Green. Downer. What's up? They've been doing that under the board this whole time, but it's not like it's not like Georgia or like Florida. It's not like these big teams ever have walk-ons that are contributors, you know? No, but they've had advantages. They found ways around the system and using their money and their boosters for their gain. Like this is not new. Of course, but there, there was limits on it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like allow the NIL and just allowing money to exchange hands. Like the money was already exchanging hands to some extent, you know, just, $50 $50 handshakes and all that. And I'm mm. just, I'm sure they just found ways to, you know, throw some players money here and there. But now that it's legal, it's like, I don't know. It, it's, I don't that's what I'm, that's all I'm saying. It's a slippery slope. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's, it's just another way for the, the teams with the most money to, to have another advantage. I'm just happy more kids 
are going to get free education. That's cool. That is a no, cool that's thing definitely for me. Cool. This individual story was awesome. Like those BYU walk-ons are not playing professionally, but they're going to walk out of BYU without any debt. Like that's a that's a cool thing. I I like that. Um, this is a positive of the NIL because like you see, DJ Ugalehi getting the Dr Pepper thing also this week, and um, just the experience there is just kind of super hollow. And I just wonder what that's going to be like. I remember I think we talked about his Bojangles ad last week, where it was just like, oh, it's hidden. Love Bojangles. All right, here's. The Clemson quarterback, great. That was a great thing. Love college sports. That was weird. Um, that stuff is going to be super depressing, and I'm not going to like seeing any of that, but this is a positive of the NIL. Like, just seeing, I don't know. That's, well, and that, those Fansville, Dr. Pepper commercials, yeah. those were weird to begin with. Like <laughs> They went on, like, some crazy little storylines and stuff in those, so who knows what, who knows what DJ's gotten himself into. Jaden Hill, uh, he was going to start for the Gators this fall at one of the corner spots. Tears his ACL, unfortunately. What do you make of this for the Gators? Yeah, I think it's big. I think Florida had, you know, one of the worst defenses in the SEC last year. And so with a lot of, you know, continuity coming back, and including Grantham, which not everyone necessarily wanted back, um, I think the the continuity is what, you know, gave, you know, some optimism to taking a much needed step forward in 2021. And so to lose one of your starting corners, I think uh, they still, you know, Kyer Elam is still the better corner, but, you know, to lose one of your starting corners, that's a, that's a big deal. So this comes from PFF college last year, most coverage snaps at outside corner without a single yard allowed. This was uh, through October 5th last year number one Rodarius Williams of Oklahoma State was 70 Jaden Hill at Florida 52 and Tariq uh, Bracey at Notre Dame with 40 dude was he was pretty locked downy yeah that's a big loss for the Gators big loss for yeah the for sure and that's that sucks you just always see that you know as soon as fall camp starts you know every team is gonna have some of those injuries that you know it's just really gonna derail the season Absolutely. And we're only uh, we're only twenty three days from college football season, sir. I, 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 you don't have to tell me. I have it circled on the calendar. I'm excited. Um, I actually I actually change my background every day. Do you? Uh, of a different Georgia player mm-hmm. of like that number, kind of just keep the countdown going. I feel like it uh, really gets me amped for the season. What did you say we're on? What's today? Twenty three. Okay. Now I'm trying to think of 23. Let me think. For a Georgia player? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Musa was 32. He was 32, yeah. 23. I went Monty Rice this year, too, when I was making it. I didn't go Musa. I try to change it up year after year, too. 23. I feel like you haven't had a... Like, Mikey Henderson was 27. Michael Johnson... Was he 25? 25, yeah. Uh, Mark Webb was 23 uh, the last few years. He's solid. But uh, I went back. Harvey went Clemens? Back was he 23? No, he was 25 also. Mm. So who was 23? Who'd you pick? 23 is uh, Tim Jennings. Oh, okay. Was he I not was 22? Always, yeah, he's 23. I was always a huge Tim Jennings. Tim Jennings into Mario Mentor. I was uh, always big fans of that of that secondary. You were Greg Blue, too. That was mm. a nice squad right there. I don't think I've ever heard anyone on a podcast before say I'm a big Tim Jennings guy. 
too. Chen Jennings was sick, man. Mm-hmm. He was like five, seven and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like made a couple Pro Bowls. Like he was good for the Bears and the Colts in the NFL. Like he was a baller. Who was the other corner from Georgia who was super small for a number of years? Was it Mint? Not uh, who I mean, was it? Before, Not maybe Swan. Was Swan before, pretty small? Uh, he wasn't too small. He also didn't last very long in the NFL. Before Tim Jennings, there was Tim Wansley. Mm. The Buford guy, he was pretty good. He was on, I think, one of those Buccaneers Super Bowl teams. Like, didn't really play, but I guess the Buccaneers only had that one Super Bowl team. But, um, yeah, hmm. back in the day. But Tim Jennings, he's a baller. 23 days. SEC extended Sankey through 2026. Um. I'm not going to lie, man. I, I mean, I would love to have him on this podcast, so I want to be careful with what I say. But, like, this whole stuff with... I, I just feel bad. Or I shouldn't say I feel bad. Um, I think this is... I'm not sure who I'm more annoyed at in this whole situation with Texas, Oklahoma, and Sankey, where, like, they all talked, and I understand it's an arms race. I understand Sankey's doing his job, adding more eyeballs. Uh, they obviously bring a lot more... Um, to the SEC, more money, all that kind of stuff. It's bad. Like, if your motivation is adding more money instead of thinking about preserving the integrity of the conference or, like, how does this work for rivalries? Does this make sense for our schools? The history, all that kind of stuff. If that's not your focus, I think you're the wrong person for the job. Maybe that's too naive and too idealistic, but that is how I always view it. And that's, like, what we grew up on, right? Like, Matt, that's what we liked about college football growing up. Um, But... He's but doing it's his not job. Like conference expansion hasn't been going on forever. You know what I mean? Right. Like the SEC championship game started in 1992 when they added South Carolina and Arkansas. So mm. it's like it's that's not for like the the Big 12. I think the first year of the Big 12 was like 1996 when the Southwest Conference just kind of dissolved and they formed with the Big Eight. So and then the Big East and ACC movement in the early 2000s. It's like so conference realignment has been around forever. It seems like, you know, it seems like we kind of went, you know, a decade or so and we kind of got used to how things were, but you know, like you said, it's an arms race. I can't even really hate on Greg Sankey because it's like if if everyone's trying to improve their brand, like you have to do what's best for your brand. So the one thing I was going to say was that there's no way Greg Sankey is going to be the SEC commissioner through 2026. It's oh, not gonna happen. Wait, what do you think he's doing? He's gonna be the damn commissioner of college football. There is no commissioner of college football. I'm saying there isn't now. That he will be whatever whatever sort of new body there is of college football. Whatever the new the next generation holds, like he's gonna be running that. And I feel like that's gonna be like the college football playoff is up in 2025, right? Like they're. Greg Sankey will move on to whatever sort of leadership position there is to move up. Like it's going to be above the SEC unless the SEC just is college football and we just have these massive conferences. I don't see anything like that happening, but I do see eventually just, you know, the power five, whatever it's called, those schools kind of breaking off and just having a commissioner of those conferences. I feel like it's, it's, it's inevitable really. I just wish, could we do this all with integrity? Like, is it not possible to do this with integrity? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, it's still definitely 
shady. Like, like it was just wrong. Like it's happened. objectively wrong. I think that's my whole thing is like, I look at this, maybe everything in life is not this black and white, but like Joe, I, I will never know how to pronounce his name. Castillo of Oklahoma. Like I've read for years, just the most beloved AD in football and sport, or I should say in college sports. It didn't even tell his friends, like closest confidants, even within the conference that like he was talking with Sankey and he was getting ready to make that move until the news broke. Um, per uh, sources on that piece. I remember, I forgot who it was that wrote that. I think it was Max Olson of The Athletic who wrote that piece about it. And they just come out bad. Like, they didn't tell anybody. And it's like, they just leave all these people hanging and to just not tell them. And just to not even call them ahead of time when you know the story's about to break and give them a heads up that you've been talking. Like, at least tell them that you've been going behind their back. Or why can't we do this all above board? Like, why can't we have these conversations of like, hey, we've been here for a long time but also like you're a texas school you look at it and you're like hey why don't i should care about the health of tcu and texas tech and like i don't know for me that just really bothers me and sankey just not being honest with bowlsby and not telling him and like sitting on these meetings and just knowing that he's about to gut his conference and just being able to sit in the room and not say anything like that is mind-blowing to me i will never get over that like reading this stuff i'm like i couldn't live with myself i I really couldn't matt like i could not handle it yeah it is a pretty crazy situation for sure maybe you'll have sankey on the pod and i would uh, love to ask him because i would give him the benefit of the doubt and be like explain to me how you felt like did you sleep honestly were you sleeping when this became really close knowing what was happening and that you were costing people's reputations by engaging in this like oklahoma's ad is hated now like by all accounts from that piece he is like he in texas uh whatever del conti i think is his name um they're just enemies number one and two like they burnt the reputation for more money and i'm just like is that really what we're doing in college sports just torpedoing reputations for slightly more money like oklahoma's making a lot of money texas was going to make a lot of money in the big 12 the sec's doing fine they didn't need it. Like, it's not one of those things where we just had to do it. They were not in dire straits, but they always are looking for the next thing to... I don't know, man. I, can we but just get, like, 25 feel, years of peace? Can we get 25 years of just nothing happening? But if you feel like like everything's changing and, like, conferences are going to go different ways, like, you just... You want, you got to keep your conference on top, you know? You got to be looking out for... For your schools first. But he's not looking out for his schools because teams like Mississippi State and everybody else are getting screwed here. Like the decks have been stacked even more by adding Oklahoma and Texas. The chances of... You could look at it that way. It may be football, but like half of these teams have been better than Texas over the last, you know, six, seven years. So it's like, it's not like Texas is just going to come in and be you know, one of the juggernauts in this conference. Well, what I'm saying is they're also going to steal players. Like those Arkansas kids that Pittman was getting from the state of Texas, gone gone missouri gone a&m but I, you had this uh, boon guess what a&m about to get hit hard i had jay arnold former aggie on the podcast this week one of the biggest selling points for a&m during his recruitment during a lot of the recruitments is they were an sec team and texas was a big 12 team that was a big no, thing that's definitely true but it's also a&m just kind of got like just the perfect timing too, like mm-hmm. to come into the SEC with Johnny Manziel right off the jump. It's yeah. just A and M was a sexy, like trendy team right when they got here. And Missouri, like they weren't really necessarily that good as much as they just kind of took took advantage of the East just being down for a couple of years. 
And so it's like they they really I mean not that they really built it into into much more than that. That was essentially the peak of their success. But uh, I don't know. Texas is obviously a bigger brand than both of those, and Oklahoma's a bigger brand than both of those. But um, I think when you're look when I say the best interests of the schools, I mean you're talking about the money. Like Texas and Oklahoma are going to bring more money to the SEC. Not Did they, they need more money, Matt? Money, but they they're gonna bring more, and everyone always wants more. Like it's gonna be harder for the those teams to win the SEC. But like, okay, like Mississippi State, like Ole Miss has never been to the SEC championship. Mississippi State has been one time, and it was Tennessee you know, twenty twenty two years ago. Yeah. So, friend of the pod, Matt Wyatt was in that game. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was already hard for those teams to win the SEC to begin with. It's like. Might as well just make their make their pocketbook a little better. It's just a waste of time. It's like, why are they competing? Like, what are you playing for? No, I didn't get it either because I felt like if if we did break off into some Power Five thing, like, and expanded the playoff, like we didn't need to form all the conferences. We've talked about that yeah. already on the pod for sure. But um, yeah, it's I don't know what's gonna happen, but I I feel like you're a little hard on Sankey. That's all I'll say. I'm just hard on like, I think there's a way to do this morally sound and it was it, it just strikes me as unethical like all of this struck me is there as, a way to do it without sneaking around yeah um, like confidence having like confidential conversations yes I'm sure there's i'm sure this kind of stuff you know these guys talk all the time yeah why just tell them i just think it's a courtesy to be like hey like we're talking like what are you gonna do they can't stop you from talking like just tell them and then they could see if the big 12 could do something to fix stuff you know what i mean like have a conversation, put it out in the open, see how your fan base reacts to it, see how the SEC fan base reacts to it, see how the ADs across the SEC handle it, how the coaches think about it, all that kind of stuff. Let it play out publicly, like talk about it above board, have conversations, say, hey, we reached out, we want to see what they bring to the table, we'll let you know, we'll keep you in the loop, but we decide. Like that, There's a way to do it. And I just think this all went down... Um, poorly and i just i don't like it i really i don't know it's just it's sports it's big money sports it's part of part of the deal but doesn't mean that i have to like it matt green um the big 10 preview speaking of things i don't have to like the big 10 west no i'm just kidding um i changed my mind matt i want to go in alphabetical order on this going in alphabetical order i can i can do that okay we're starting off with my Indiana Hoosiers, coached by Tom Allen. Technically, uh, that would not be the first one alphabetically. Who's who's first? <laughs> Illinois. Oh yeah. Wait. Are, yeah, that's true. Why does my book? Oh, maybe this is alphabetically. Oh, that's what it is. Per conference, it's the the West and the East. I did alphabetically based on which side of the conference we're doing. So we're gonna do the East first alphabetically. Is what I'm gonna do. All right, we're starting with Indiana? Yes. So we'll do the East first, a very difficult division to win if your name is not Ohio State. Um, The Indiana Hoosiers. The reason I bring that up off the jump, if Indiana was in the West, would we view them completely differently this season? Um, Well, I think their their over-under would definitely be higher than than 7.5 if they were in the West. I was honestly kind of surprised it was that low to begin with. But it also, it just, it depends on, you know, those crossover games that you get. Like, I think Wisconsin, I think I think the West is, is like, pretty balanced. Like, in terms of, like, I think it's got multiple teams that can kind of compete. Like, 
not that any of them are all really good, but there's there's multiple teams that could potentially be good. I think Indiana could could definitely be as good as any of them. Yeah, I mean, they had only lost one game going into the Ole Miss Bowl game without Michael Penix. So uh, Michael Penix, we know about him. He is a fourth quarter machine. He threw for 1,600, 400, and, or 45 yards in six games before suffering a knee injury in the fourth quarter. He's back this year. Uh, but he also, Matt Green, true or false, Michael Penix Jr. has played a full season to this point in his college career. False. You are correct. That's a real problem. Like, Hold on. True or false, Michael Penix Jr. scored on that <laughs> overtime play against Penn State. Irrelevant. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm fascinated by this group because they return a lot on defense. They return almost everybody on offense. Ty Freifogel is going to be really, really good. Miles Marshall has a lot of talent. Um, I, I like this group. I like uh, I like what they're bringing back. I like the schedule. Like I'm just go ahead and lock me in for watching September 18th, Cincinnati, Indiana. It's at IU. Um, lot a lot of winnable games here. You get Michigan State at home. You have to go to the big house for Michigan. That'll be a fun one. November 6th, going to Penn State on October 2nd. It's going to be a huge, huge game. I don't know why they're going to Western Kentucky, but that's whatever. Um, they get Ohio State at home, who they were only a touchdown out last year. And they get Minnesota at home. And they only have to go to Rutgers, like the, or at Purdue to end the season. Like This is a team. This schedule looks like 9-3 and three to me. Something like 9-3, and 10-2. I think this... Yeah. If they what were in the West, think? I would say they're the favorites. But because they're in the East, it's just it's going to be so hard for them to break through and make the the Big Ten title game. Yeah, I was just I was surprised by the seven and a half line in general. It's like this is the team that's preseason ranked what seventeen? Like that's not a seven win team. You know, you're you're predicting at least like I thought eight and a half would make it tricky because they had a really good twenty twenty like. How much are you going to make of it? You know, like it was a short season. Like you don't really know, but eight and a half made it tough because just for all the reasons you mentioned, but at seven and a half, like this team, I think is at least an eight and four team. I feel like I was someone who wasn't as high on Indiana as others. And I thought someone like you would predict them at like nine or 10 wins, but I would push back and say, no, they seem like more of an eight and four team. So at seven and a half, like, yeah, I would definitely take Indiana over the seven and a half yeah um maryland mike loxley still around still recruiting his tail off um dan enos now on board remember loxley and enos coached tua at lmn 2018 um now working with little tua um who's a junior they return he's <laughs> <laughs> laughing at little tua are we not calling him little tua I don't know. It's it's not his son. No, but I mean, it's little to a look at him. He literally is a smaller version of his brother. Yeah, he really does. He looks just like him. He looks just like him, but he's like four inches shorter. I swear he's... And also not left-handed. It's probably not four inches shorter, right? Tua wasn't that big. That's a good question. I want to pull it up. He just looks small. Whenever I watch Marilyn, he looks... Yeah, for sure. um, I don't know. Let's put it this way. He is not going to be an NFL starting quarterback like like his brother, but he can be a a good starter on this team um, this fall. But I am curious. They fire their offensive coordinator. I think Joker Phillips was like a coach on this team who got um, let go. But 
Loxley's obviously been recruiting really well. Uh, the what do they call it? The DMV is that what it's called? That recruiting area in DC. Um, is that what they call it? Is I don't it the DMV know. that he recruit? Like I, I think that's what it's called. But um, I'll take your word for it. He he's good. Like Loxley can coach offense. We we love the returning wide receivers. I like Demas Jr., Jones, Jarrett, like the receiving core should be one of the best in the Big Ten. Like I think Raheem Jarrett, who was a five star with Demas Jr., like I like this team is gonna put up a bunch of points. Um what is their over under Matt Green? Over unders at six. <sighs> That's tough. I think that'll depend on what they do in week one. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule and I'm I feel like it's tough to find six wins. Like out of conference, you got West Virginia that's at home, and then Howard and Kent State also at home. And Kent State wasn't like terrible. Like they, I think they were won a bowl game a couple years ago. But um, I mean, I think that's a win, you know. So it's like that's Howard and Kent State. You know, you would assume you pencil in those as wins. West Virginia is definitely not a gimme. And then you know you're going at Ohio State. You're going at Minnesota, at Michigan State, at Rutgers. Like, you know, those aren't necessarily all world beaters, but they have Michigan and Penn State still at home and Indiana at home. It's just there's a there's a lot of a lot of challenges, a lot of toss up games really on the schedule. And like, I, I think if, you know, if you're thinking seven or five or five and seven, I definitely lean towards a five and seven. I'm going under. Uh, you mean Howard, Illinois, Kent State. I left out Iowa too at home. Yeah, I, I, that's a loss. Um, yeah, so that's it's tough to find. You gonna find three more at six Rutgers? I don't mean at Michigan there. State. I this feels five and seven to me. I'm gonna say under. Yeah, six and six is honestly probably a likely outcome, mm-hmm. but you know, not not being not having the privilege of like a hook there. This team lost forty three to three to Northwestern last year. <laughs> yeah, give me the under. True or false? Ron Zook is this team's special teams coach now. Is that right? That is right. Ron Zook, old friend of the pod. Ron Zook. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Michigan Wolverines. Next up, uh, they went two and four last year in Big Ten play. Um, this schedule is quite appetizing, I will say for michigan i will go ahead and lock in the over with what it being what what is the over and under you, for might, you might wanna, do you want to you have a guess uh, i feel like eight yeah seven and a half. Ooh, oh lock it in lock up i've never been more certain i guarantee i will not have a stronger lock in the big 10 tonight than michigan see you know i thought the same thing when i saw seven and a half but it's like you if you're thinking eight and four, you know, at Wisconsin, at Penn State, Ohio State, or those are both on the road, and at Michigan State too. Ohio State, Indiana, Northwestern, and Washington all at home. So it's like you know, the four best teams they play are what Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, maybe Washington, maybe Indiana. Like they have to run the table with the rest of those games to get the over. So. I don't know. They got to win one or at least beat one of those good teams they play. And I kind of, I just kind of feel like people always get too high on Michigan 
and they always get too low on Michigan. And really, Michigan's just kind of somewhere in between. And so, seven and, a, seven and a half, like you said, seems too low, and I'm also going to go over. I'm interested to see if K. McMaris is a starter for the full season, or if J.J. McCarthy is able to, to get in there at the five-star freshman. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, new defensive coordinator and Mr. McDonald. Um, they get Aiden Hutchinson back, who typically like he was i think his name was in the draft or um was on the bubble like he was someone who just people assume was gonna was gonna go pro but he came back for a senior year um and also deep- the true freshman donovan edwards too i think he was number one running back uh in the country coming out of high school yeah him and Hassan haskins should be good like i just i think uh ronnie bell is really good i, I like to see what they're gonna do there but i think this team is it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I I don't think Michigan is closer to that two and four team they were last year. I think they're more like an eight and four team this year. Um, and with that six game schedule too, I was just finding so many just unbalanced schedules. Like some of these teams that you know you're low on that went two and four, or a team you're higher on that went four and two or five and one. Just they're just drastically different strength of schedules with only having that many games. So I think a, a lot, a lot of people are going to make mistakes by, you know, putting too much stock into the 2020 results. Something that you should not fret about putting too much stock in the 2020 result: the Michigan State Spartans, who went two and five last year with one of the worst offenses I've ever watched. Uh, Rocky Lombardi is gone. Insert Anthony Rousseau. Um, what would you guess this team was in scoring nationally, Matt Green, last year? Oh, man. Were they triple digits? They were triple digits. Oh. What, like 105th? 116th. Oh, wow. That's not good. No. What do you think they were scoring defense-wise? Mel Tucker, the defensive assassin, what were they? Oh, I know some people put some big numbers on them last year. I don't know, what, 50th? 100th. Oh, not good it was awful like this team was object i will i remember the michigan state Rutgers game vividly because of how were we texting during that i want to say we were because there was another game going on and i was like are you watching Rutgers just put like <laughs> we were because i'm like no i'm not watching <laughs> i'm not watching michigan state Rutgers, <laughs> and i don't know why you are either but michigan state is literally one of the teams i was taught I was talking about when you look at the the drastically different schedules, like they played six games last year. They played Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, Northwestern, Ohio state, and Penn state. Like those are maybe the five best teams in the big 10 last year. And that was five of their six games. So I think, you know, if they have a 12 game season, the two and five is obviously, you know, bad, but you know, if they have a 12-game a schedule, maybe they go 5-7, and seven, you know? You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's a 6-6 six and six team. Like, I think they had a really tough schedule. The only thing is that they have the second toughest schedule in the Big Ten again in 2021. Like, they have at Miami, at Ohio State, and at Indiana this year. And, like, I would assume wins over, you know, Western Kentucky and Youngstown State, but... To get to five, you got to beat Rutgers, Northwestern, and Purdue. Like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not confident in it, but four and a half is a low number, and uh, I'll go over. Uh, 
Let me do it. I love this game. At Northwestern, loss. Youngstown home win. At Miami, loss. Nebraska, loss. WKU wins. So that's two. At Rutgers, loss. At Indiana, loss. Michigan, loss. At Purdue. Ooh. I'll say win. Maryland at home, loss. At Ohio State, loss. Penn State. See, I think Maryland. I think Maryland has got to be a shot for one of their wins. I think. If well, the reason Maryland's... I'm picking Maryland is because the that dichotomy between the Maryland offense and the Michigan State offense. Like, I don't know if they can score enough points to win that game. I, I just I think this offense is going to be atrocious, even with Russo that's coming fair. in from Temple. I just don't think they'll be able to win a shootout, and I think that's what that's probably going to be. That's fair. They were 109th Rutgers, in explosive Rutgers plays last year. Is, is one of the tougher games for me to for me to pick forever for a lot of these teams because it's like that for the last five six years or so that's been an automatic win. But um, I think they're a little better. I'm just not sure how much better they are right now. But we'll I think it might that. be better next year. I think you give him year three is when he'll start to make some strides because I think he is a really great recruiter. I think we'll get uh, more opportunities there. And by all accounts, Scotty Hazelton is a defensive wizard so maybe after a year he'll be able to do it i'm just not sure jay johnson's the guy on offense to to call things and uh get him going the right direction in michigan state um so to to be clear so you're going under i'm going under okay ohio state buckeyes who what they're over under i'm gonna say 11 and a half 11 Mm. which is a dumb number honestly like I just I hate the the round number in general. Like, it's just it's just well, it's, it's just clearly going to be a push because they're going eleven and one properly. So it's just like we're not neither of us are going to get this right. I yeah, it's definitely hard to pick them to go to go undefeated. But I mean, when you talk about what's more likely, eleven twelve and zero or ten and two, twelve and zero is definitely more likely. Like, I'm not buying Oregon personally, and Oregon at Ohio State, like, that's got to be the toughest game on their schedule. So, with that, like, I mean, at Minnesota, like, that, you know, that could be, you know, uh, a rowdy environment to start the season. That might be, honestly, their best chance for anyone to upset them. Yeah. Just to start off the season in a primetime moment. Well, you also have Oregon right after. As a team. And then you got Oregon, but that is... Well, no, what home. I'm saying is that the look-ahead look, look ahead spot where they're, like, not thinking about Minnesota. They're thinking about Oregon at home, and they overlook... That's fair. And C.J. Stroud, too, like, is this... I mean, people expect huge things from him, but it is his first and second games of his career. If they're going to lose a, a game, it's going to be one of those first two, in my opinion. It's not going to be, you know, week... Whatever that is, week eight, week nine when Penn state comes to Columbus or, or Michigan and Ann Arbor or going at Indiana, like, I don't think they're going to get tripped up in any of those games. I think it's going to be one of those early losses. And then Ohio state just kind of, you know, looks like Ohio state from that point on. And they they got a quarterback throwing for four touchdowns and running for two. Like they seem to have had every year for the last decade. I mean, Chris Olave, Jameson Williams and Gary Wilson is just going to be unfair. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And I think Travion Henderson, like mm. Master Teague is is solid. He he reminds me of Elijah Holyfield mm. personally. Like yeah. I don't know how many how aware people are with Elijah Holyfield, but slowest forty time obvious. of all time. Yeah, he just he was the kind of running back that just he hit holes hard. 
He got exactly the amount of yards that a run should get, and then he kind of finished strong and, and fell forward. He didn't ever seem to, you know, make something out of nothing. He didn't seem to just kind of, you know, turn that that five yard run into a fifty yard run like like some of these game breaking running backs do. Master Teague is solid, but he just he doesn't seem like on par with with like J.K. Dobbins or some of these running backs that Ohio State's had in recent years. I think Travion Henderson by the end of the season is going to be like the best running back on on Ohio State's team. Even Trey Sermon too, like a guy that was just dynamic. Like I I just don't see that for Master Teague. And what is he? A, is he a senior now? Junior yes. senior? No junior. And yeah, so I, I think Travion Henderson. I think he was was he the number one back? Either, yeah, maybe he was number one. Donovan Edwards I think was number two running back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I think he's he's going to be a baller this year. Yeah, I think that's. Very, very possible. So are you going over or under? I'm going over. I think 12-0 and 0 is more likely. At worst, you're going to do a push, right? Like 12-0 yeah. is definitely more likely than 10-2. and 2. I am too because uh, would you like to guess how many times uh, Ryan Day has lost in total in his Ohio State career thus far? Oh, man. He's just two games or just two years, right? Mm-hmm. He's lost twice, right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the playoff. So I'm going to go over, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a good call. Penn State, maybe the most interesting team in the Big East or Big Ten East this year. Um, James Franklin, 60 and 28 in seven years in Happy Valley. They fire Kirk Soraka. Um, Soraka? Soraka? I never got. I, I, it's probably Soraka, who is now an analyst at uh, West Virginia, I believe. Um, but Mike Yurchich comes in, former Oklahoma State OC. Um, Brent Pry and Anthony Poindexter calling the defense. Uh, I am everything just feels like it's going to come down to Sean Clifford, who has started twenty of twenty two games for Penn State, forty one to sixteen touchdown to interception radio ratio. Um, Pat Fryermuth moving on. I think it's going to be a big loss for this group. They return all the receivers. Uh, I don't know if you're a big Noah Kane guy. We'll see there with Kayvon Lee as well. Maybe take Juan Robinson. Robertson gets some some looks at QB this yeah, year. Yeah, Noah Kane, I think he's probably the best running back in the Big Ten if he's yeah. healthy. So that's that's a big thing because they need him healthy because we don't know about Sean Clifford. We we just we have no idea. Um or what do you what do you make of the Penn State and Nittany Lions coming into this year? Well the over under is set at nine. Mm. And so like right off the bat, like if you had to just guess their record, you probably would have said this is a nine and three team. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely a tough one. Opening at Camp Randall Stadium at Wisconsin, like that's just that's not a good that's not a good season opener, in my opinion. I think that's a loss. I'm honestly leaning towards Auburn being a win. Like, hmm. you know, just is that first, a is that a Happy Valley game or a neutral site? Yeah, it's in it's in Happy Valley. Seven thirty ABC game already announced. Like that's a big time game, big time atmosphere. Like Auburn with a first year head coach. Like Bo Nix is obviously like a third year starter. Like they they have some experience there. Auburn's a good team from the SEC, but that's that's really gonna hinge. I feel like if this is a over or under, I think is that Auburn game. I think it's really gonna kind of tell you what Penn State has not that you really know what auburn is year in and year out and especially three weeks in you're not going to know but this is a tough schedule like like we said at wisconsin you got auburn at home you got indiana at home but you also have to go at iowa and at ohio state and you also get michigan at home like a 10 and 2 
uh, they just seem better than eight and four. Like eight and four doesn't do this team justice, in my opinion. I think they. I, I'm expecting a bounce back year. Ah, this is this is a tough one for me. I think I got to go over, just because I don't think I don't think eight and four is good enough. I think I think give me ten and two. I'm going under. Mm. A lot I of losses. See that. On it's this. a tough schedule for sure. Like at Ohio State. At Maryland's gonna be tough. Like that's gonna be a shootout. Um, at Iowa, all like I can't wait for that one. Penn State Iowa is always awesome. Indiana, not a cakewalk. Like Indiana and at Iowa, I think they're splitting that. I'm going ahead and circling at Ohio State as a loss. Um, I think I don't know. I feel like they're an eight and four team. I, I think they're an eight and four team. I honestly, I'm thinking. About- You've made me want to change it, but I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> okay. Michigan too. Like ah, uh, I don't know. It's that's a tough one. Splitting Indiana and Iowa right there back to back that that made a lot of sense. But you, what do you think about the Auburn one? I think they're better than Auburn. Yeah, I would agree. I think they yeah. lose at Camp Randall to open the year, and then they they beat Auburn at home. I think they split those two as well. I think the Big Ten needs uh needs Penn State to be good. Like I think like I think uh, I want to say it was Tom Fernelli uh that said this. Um it's like something about the Big 10 is just there's those years they have their big brands and when those brands are good, it feels like the conference is good. And when it's not those brands, it feels like the conference isn't good, right? It's like it could Iowa can be eleven and one, and Wisconsin be ten and ten and two, and Ohio State be eleven and one. But Ohio, Michigan and Penn State are bad, so you just kind of feel like the conference isn't very good. But when Michigan and Penn State are good, it feels like this conference is as good as any other conference in college football. But it's hmm. just been a while since all three of those teams were were good at the same time. Interesting. Um, Rutgers, Greg Schiano, obviously. <laughs> just already right out of the gate um doing better than expected um they were in a lot of games like they kept it close yeah they almost beat michigan at home in year zero for greg shiano um they went at purdue they went at maryland they keep it close with nebraska uh keep it close against um indiana for the most part but um yeah i i think this is not a talented group they return all across the board i'm not a big noah vigil guy but we'll see. Uh, they return everyone outside of their right tackle on offense. Defense, a lot of changes. But uh, I am curious what this offense looks yeah. like because it wasn't good last year. This offense um, was not the was one twenty first in offensive efficiency, and they still went three and six in the Big Ten. Um, I'm curious. The, I what is their over under? The line is at four. And I just looked through it like... The Temple, schedule's not good. Yeah, Temple isn't a gimme win. Nope. I think Syracuse might be a win. Delaware should be a win. But then then you get into conference play after that, and they don't seem to really miss any of the, the upper echelon teams in the Big Ten. Like maybe what? Maybe Iowa? Is Iowa the only team they don't play? They play Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, Penn State, even Northwestern, like... If you think Maryland's going to be good, like they they have one of the tougher schedules in the Big Ten, and I'm not seeing four wins on this schedule personally. Hmm. 
Like I, I believe Greg Schiano is a good coach, but I just don't know what to make of of last season. It was like a good feeling around Rutgers, but you know I think they're still a long way from from being a even a competitive team in this conference. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I think they're they're just gonna be a pain. Like this Rutgers team is just gonna be a pain, right? Like they're not gonna get blown out really by anybody, but they're just. I'm going to say under. I don't like this offense. I don't think Sean Gleason's the right guy to lead them long-term. And I like you, I think the schedule is not great. The out-of-conference stuff is concerning. Because I, I actually could see them dropping at Syracuse and Simple at home. Yeah, they honestly could. That offense is not good. So we'll we'll see. Um, Big Ten West. A far more, like you said, even division, I would say. Illinois, Brett Bielema old sec friend coming in there he's 97 and 58 all time 12 years as a college coach he brought in Juan walters who i think is the unsung coordinator hire of this conference do you remember ryan walters uh refresh my memory he's been the elite defensive coordinator who stayed at missouri for years um and bielma plucked him from drinkwood staff he was there um before him with uh Barry Odom, and then I think he was even he predated Odom um, with uh, what is his name? I, I I've already not Kirk Ferentz. Why am I blanking on? Oh, the, uh, Kirk Ferentz. That's kind of funny. Uh, Gary Pinkle. Gary Pinkle. Yes. Um, I think he's been there for that long, but I could be wrong. Kirk he, Ferentz and Gary Pinkle seem like like very similar guys, so I, that, that made me laugh. Um, my apologies. You know, Missouri, who, who they uh, chose over, or who they chose Gary Pinkle over, right? I do not. They chose him over Mark Richt. Really? Yes. So hmm. then Mark Richt interviewed for uh, Georgia and got the job. I think both teams played out okay there. That was probably the right so. move for both parties involved. I think so. I mean, Gary Pinkle got Mizzou at number one in the country at one point. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Um, Brandon Peters returns for his like a billion seats under center for this group. Um, the lovey era did not end well, obviously. I, I think think it was the beard. Yeah. I just, it was a turnoff. I like this staff though. (laughs) I like that Tony Peterson's coming from app state and I like that Ryan Walters has been compared to an, uh, defensive savant and what he's been able to do with defenses um, at Mizzou and just what he's recruited and all the different pass rushers and everything else that he's developed. Because Mizzou's been kind of DBU there a little bit. But this Illinois defense was awful last year. I think they'll be better right away. What is their over-under? Over-under is three and a half. Ooh, okay. That's low. That is low. I like that. I, I'm, I'm taking the over. Where find me four wins on this schedule? Northwestern, Rutgers, Charlotte, UTSA. Because UTSA and Charlotte aren't necessarily gimmies. Charlotte like, stinks. Charlotte, uh, they went to a bowl game in 2019. They were like, really bad last year. That's that's true, but I just Illinois is also really bad. Like, but I don't think Bielema's like, a bad those, coach. I do like Bielema. But just looking at like Virginia, even like they weren't great last year, but they were, you know, they were top twenty-five team the year before. Like you don't have Ohio State on the schedule, but you still got Wisconsin. You got Nebraska to open the season. Like I, I, you know, that should be a win. But 
Nebraska, you know, they're kind of playing with their backs against the walls. Like, they got to go at Penn State, at Minnesota, at Iowa. It's tough for me to find four wins on this schedule. I'm I'm going to go the under. I think – I do think Brett Bielema is an underrated coach. I think people don't really appreciate, you know, how difficult it really was to go seven and six and eight and five at Arkansas. Like, that was actually a feat, and he obviously had a lot of success uh, in his in his first go-round at Wisconsin. But, um, you know, just year one, like, I'm not putting this on Brett Bielema as this is the transition year. You know, I'm not – this isn't on his reputation. So I'm – I'm going to go under. I think this is uh, – they're going to have some growing pains. Interesting. Okay. We disagree. Iowa. Okay. Maybe I am the most high on Iowa of any of the Big Ten teams. Like, I'm most – I should say this. Outside of Ohio State, I think I'm the most certain of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Would you agree, Matt Green? Would I agree that I'm certain or would I agree that you are the most certain about that Iowa? That you are certain of the Iowa Hawkeyes. I am not. Okay. The over-under is at eight and a half. And I think Iowa is one of those teams um, that I mentioned, kind of like Michigan State. I think they personally, I think they took advantage of a weaker schedule last year. And I think, like, you know, statistically they look like a good team, but, you know, your stats look good when you're not playing good teams, right? Like they're sixth in the country, in a, or was it fifth, sixth in the country in a opponent's points per game. Like they were a good team back in 2019 too, but – Close losses to Purdue and close losses to Northwestern. And then they didn't really play another good team outside. Of, I mean, Penn State, you know, they were they were kind of up and down last year. They did beat Wisconsin 28-7. That was a big-time win to close out the season. But I just – the 6-2, and two, I think a little bit too much is being made of it. I Looking at their schedule in, in 2021, I like I, – do you do you think this team you think this team only loses three games? I think three at the worst. Got at at Iowa State. That's another game that they were that they were fortunate to to miss uh, with the twenty twenty schedule. So you got at Iowa State, at Wisconsin, at Maryland, at Northwestern, at Nebraska. Not the worst road schedule, but I think Iowa State and Wisconsin. I would pencil those two in as losses. And then Indiana and Penn State, Minnesota at home, like I don't know, they have to they have to run the table in those games to to win to be nine and three. And I I just think they, they feel like more of an eight and four team, and so that's why I'm going under. I think Iowa is good, but eight nine nine and three just seems I don't know. I'm not sure they're nine and three. Eight and a half's a great line though. That's a tough one. I'm gonna lock in the over. I think the first two games are tough. I think they split Indiana, Iowa State. I don't know which way they split. And they beat Kent State, beat Colorado State, beat Maryland, beat Penn State, beat Purdue, go to Wisconsin, drop that one, win at Northwestern, beat Minnesota at home, beat Illinois at home, win at Nebraska. And they very well could. I um... Best center in the country, Tyler Linderbaum. So they got that going for them. Your man, Tyler Goodson, poised for a big That's year. That's true. Uh, North Gwinnett High School in the house, for sure. I definitely respect Tyler Goodson. But, um, you know, I just wasn't impressed uh, with the quarterback play a year ago. So th- I think they're just going to have to take a step forward. It, 
there. You know, they have had Iowa State's number in recent years. I think they've got they won five straight in the series over Iowa State. Have so. they? Okay, so Indiana's maybe the better the better. So game there one. there is that, but you know, I um I think this is probably gonna be the best Iowa State team we've seen, you know, at, in uh in Ames, Iowa, I think you know they're gonna wear those damn black and white uniforms because that's what they wear in every single big game. Even though their colors are burgundy and gold, grinds my gears, sir. Hmm. But they last year they beat Penn State for the first time in what is that seven tries? So they had lost six straight previously to Penn State. So I think a good Penn State team gets back on top and beats Iowa. I just think nine and three. I don't know. Seems a little generous. Hmm. Okay. Minnesota. The PJ Line Fleck. Is at seven. Ooh, is it at seven? They were at yeah. three and four last year, so they think they're gonna be more of the same of five hundred football team. Um. Hmm. Seven's not fair. They need to do halves. I don't like these solid numbers. We need more point fives. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Just looking at their schedule, just right off the bat, like. It's not terrible. You got Ohio State and Wisconsin both at home. Like we said, Ohio State to open the season. Like that Thursday night too, something weird could happen. Like that's their best shot. Like something weird happening. Like they're not they're not better than Ohio State. I just want to know which version of Tanner Morgan we're gonna get. Because the twenty nineteen version was much better than what we saw in twenty twenty. You know, I think they're I think their receivers aren't going to be quite as good. So I don't know. I'm just Tanner Morgan. I think is what it, this hinges on and just, they go on the road at Northwestern at Iowa at Indiana. This definitely feels like a seven and five team. And so if I just had to say what's more likely six and six or eight and four, I'm going six and six. So I'm going to go under at Ohio state loss. Miami, Ohio win at Colorado win, Bowling Green win at Purdue win, Nebraska at home win, Maryland at home win. You think the Colorado is an automatic win? Colorado's going to be bad. It could be. They were solid last year. Yeah, Colorado lost a lot. I'm not a, not a believer in year two of Carl Durrell there. Um, so 6-1 and one there, uh, Illinois at home win, at Iowa loss, that's two, at Indiana loss, that's three. Ooh, at Wisconsin loss or wisconsin at home that's seven and five for me uh yeah i mean that's they probably play the four best teams in the big 10 right like you would say ohio state indiana wisconsin iowa in some order mm. the four best teams in the big 10 like they play all of those so. trouble for james franklin if that's the case yeah that's true I, I, I might have left out i left out penn state so they're they're right there too so they do avoid them but um they could lose all four of those and go eight and four I liked Samford at uh, Notre Dame. I thought he was a good play caller. I think he'll be all right. I think it was just a weird year. Didn't get to implement his stuff. Kirk Soraka left for Penn State. Um, Tanner Morgan's now got a full offseason in his system. You got Daniel Jackson, who's top recruit for uh, his class at wideout. Muhammad Ibrahim's back. Big Ten running back of the year. I, I'm i going to say over. Give me over. Did they win 11 games? Twenty? Yeah, they won 11 games yeah. in 2019. Finished 10th, so... I do like P.J. Fleck, but uh, I'm going to stick with the o- under, so I'll give you the over. Nebraska. Oof. Okay. Um, man. Where are you at with Nebraska right now? 
Nebraska's got the toughest schedule in the Big Ten. Uh, as far as ESPN's, you know, FBI ranking, they rank them with the 15th toughest schedule in college football. I think Michigan State was second. I think they're like the 20th schedule or something. Um, but, yeah, 15th toughest schedule. I'm just looking at their, just right off the bat, you know, just losses at Oklahoma, Ohio State's a loss, at Wisconsin, Iowa's a loss, Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, those could all be losses. Like, this team is going to have to, like, scratch and claw their way to six wins. I just don't see it personally. I think, I mean, this might be, if they don't win six games, I think this is this is probably the last year for Scott Frost, and and I'm gonna have to go with under. Like I don't know that he's not a good coach, you know. Like I I really was impressed with what he did with Central Florida, but um, Nebraska is just they're in a tough position, and I it doesn't. This is not a good year to get you know all of the good teams from the Big Ten on your schedule, basically. Yeah, it's also weird because like Adrian Martinez is all the talent in the world. If he's not going to put it together this year, he's never going to put it together. Like, the, the, this is it. Um, but they have talent. Um, they I like Cam Taylor Britt on, on, in the secondary. I just – this is just kind of a dumb team. They are – only two FBS offenses had a larger percentage, percentages of drives and in turnovers than Nebraska. They lost nine fumbles last year. They just do dumb stuff. Um, they're terrible at finishing drives. They were 98th in the country last year. Their, but their offensive efficiency was 22nd. Their explosive play rank, not good. Like, they were 72nd. Offense as a whole, 108. Like, Scott Frost, the very least, their offense should be great. They were 101st in scoring last year. Like, that just can't happen for Scott Frost. Like, you can't do that and expect to survive and keep your job. So, um... I don't know. I'm going to say at Illinois loss, Buffalo, who's good? Buffalo, I mean, losing Lance Leopold helps a lot there um, to, to Kansas. So That's true. Bit. I kind of skimmed over that one, too. Because Buffalo's good. Um, we'll see what the impact of that whole staff leaving. So we'll see in Buffalo. Probably a win. So at Oklahoma, loss 1-2. and two. I think they beat Michigan State 2-2. Two and two. Northwestern at home, they should win that game. Three and two, Michigan at home lost. Three and three at Minnesota lost. Three and four, Purdue at home should be a win. Four and four, who this is gonna be close. Uh, Ohio State lost. Four and five, Southeast Louisiana five and five. Here we go. At Wisconsin loss. Iowa at home. That might be what keeps his job. Is what he does against Iowa the last week of the season. But I'm gonna Wait, say it's what a loss. You said Southeast Louisiana, huh? I, on Nebraska schedule? Yeah, November thirteenth. I'm showing that as an open date. What? What are you? What's? What are you looking, looking at? I'm looking at FBS schedules. Like I'm looking at uh, Phil Steele's right here. Let me see this. <laughs> I'm showing that as an open date. Let me count this: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, twelve. November. I swear, I do not see. I see Fordham, Buffalo, and Oklahoma out of conference. Do they switch to Fordham? Yeah, they have Fordham. Then the magazine's out of date, sir. Oh, is that right? Okay, yeah, they have Fordham uh, September 4th, second game of the season. Okay, then they must have flipped it. Gotcha. I was like, I'm running through the schedule. I'm like, wait, what are you? That's (laughs) wild. I have never seen that. 
Huh. Well, I mean, it doesn't really change anything because both wins, if it's Fordham or Southeast Louisiana, they should yeah, win that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Northwestern, a team where they still have not named a starting quarterback. Between... Wait, hold on, hold on. You, so you said no, under for Nebraska, I'm right? I'm say under, yeah. Okay, fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. If they have a losing record this year, which we're both predicting them to do, it'll be the first time they've had five straight losing seasons since when? What, what is your guess? Oh, I mean, Osborne was there a long time. Uh, the 70s, right? 1956 oh, to 1961. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, Nebraska was fucking, they're basically dominating in the 70s. I guess they don't have a couple championships in the 70s, but yeah, they're essentially the top 10. They're essentially top 10 every year from like 19. 19- 63 to like nine to like 2001 hmm but uh it's not it's not it's not that time anymore tom osborne's not walking through that door to paraphrase rick patino hmm northwestern the wildcats were like i said uh, ryan holinsky former south carolina quarterback and hunter johnson former clemson quarterback battling it out for that northwestern quarterback job Whew. okay um they made a change after years and years years and years with the same offensive coordinator pat fitzgerald makes a change um guess what they did last year they still go 92nd in uh scoring they were 10th in the big 10 but guess who had the number one scoring defense in football last year matt green uh, was that Northwestern Wildcats? It was the Northwestern Wildcats. Northwestern lost a lot on defense, but I just think this team is too stubbornly competent on defense to be bad, but this offense is going to stink again. They replaced dudes all across the board. The quarterback situation's not going to be better. This schedule is still just like... <sighs> I'm annoyed at it. I'm annoyed because I could just see... It going right for them in a lot of lot of ways because they get Michigan State to open at home, Indiana State at home, at Duke, Ohio. They're going in Nebraska undefeated on October second, and if they win that game, they're going to beat Rutgers at home. Then they go to Michigan. That's going to be a big one. Then they get Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. That's where we'll know who they really are. But this is going to be one. What is their what is their over under? Six and a half. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to bang the over. That's what I was saying. Like, you you were saying, you know, just giving all these reasons why I feel like they kind of were going to be underwhelming. But that four-game stretch right there of Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, they could lose all of those and still easily get make the over. So And they beat Iowa and Wisconsin last year. Yeah, so I, um, I'm definitely going over. They've won seven... They won seven or more games five of the last six years. So I think I think they seem like a safe play to win six and a half. So yeah. Def, definitely give me the over on Northwestern. Yeah. I don't like it. I, I hate it. Purdue, the Purdue Boilermakers. You're just the biggest Northwestern hater out there. So it just drives me nuts. You gotta, you gotta say something positive about them every once in a while. If they would figure it out on offense, they'd be an elite program. They're just annoying. Like Pat Fitzgerald's a good coach. He just hires horribly on offense. He's kind of like Kirby Smart before 
he he changed gears and uh, passed it over to Todd Monken. Ah, oh, don't don't get me started. I mean, it's the same Georgia, kind of thing. Georgia had a really good offense in 2017 and 2018. I think that's what nobody, like what everybody just kind of glosses over. Like, We've 20- always considered Jake Fromm the Ryan Helensky of the South, the, the, the Hunter Johnson of the South. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> the Peyton Ramsey of the South. <laughs> um, Purdue, Jeff Brom, two and four last year. Um, has not gone well. He got paid a lot of money to stay at Purdue and not make the jump to Louisville, where he played. David Bell comes back. Uh, Rondale Moore is gone. One of my favorite college players the last couple of years. I'm going to miss watching him. Um, I think he, yeah, he had 2,000 yards of offense and scored 17 touchdowns in his Purdue career. Pretty crazy. Um, they don't know if it's going to be Jack Plummer or Aiden O'Connell. Um, I, I talked to Tom Danehart of Big Ten Network, I think it was last week, about this situation. He seemed to suggest that it was going to be O'Connell under center there. But, um, yeah, I the, it's a march for six. And he said, like, there is no heat on uh, Jeff Brom at Purdue. And this is a really, really tough situation to win. And this schedule is brutal. So if you just go through, I mean, where where are you getting the wins here? What is the over under? Um, five. Mm. Oregon State loss. I'm gonna say at UConn win at Notre Dame loss, Illinois loss, Minnesota loss at Iowa loss, Wisconsin loss at Nebraska maybe, but I'm gonna say loss. Michigan I'm State Illinois at home too. That's also a maybe. I think that's a maybe. At Ohio State loss, Northwestern loss, Indiana loss. I'm gonna say under for this group. They also lost their last four going into the break last season. Yeah, uh, five definitely seems generous. Um, you know where that Northwestern game is, right? Chicago, right? It is uh, in Wrigley Field. Oh, is it in Wrigley? I just assumed it was yeah. Soldier Field. Yeah, who Wisconsin's playing? Um, who's Wisconsin got uh, at Notre Soldier Dame. Field? Yeah, they have Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, we haven't gotten to Wisconsin. But um, Purdue, yeah, five... I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I think there's a couple more wins, and you might give them credit for, but I think that I think they still fall short. And uh, yeah, I'm going under. Wisconsin, who I think has the has the opportunity. I really do believe this, Matt Green. I think Wisconsin has the chance to win the Big Ten this year. I'm I excited. think that's fair. This is it, like Wisconsin. If you're listening. Paul Christ, if you're listening, this is it. You've got to do it this year. Ohio State will not be this down and replacing this much talent over and over again. Like, C.J. Stroud is unproven. Like, this is it. This is your your shot to make a make a statement. Graham Mertz has got to be better. He's got to be better than what he was as a freshman. You have He's your highest recruited quarterback in, like, our entire lifetime at Wisconsin. This is not Jim Sorge's Wisconsin right now. <laughs> you got to figure out the running back situation. You don't have Melvin Gordon back there. You don't have Monty Ball. Figure it out. Jalen Berger, if it's him, great. Let's go with it. Um, I am I'm so curious what happens here because last year they did not have that same situation where they just ran the ball down people's throat, but they returned a lot of starters on offense. Um, the defense is almost entirely back. I think this Wisconsin team and this schedule looks great. I can't wait to see the Notre Dame game, but this is an appetizing 
Wisconsin schedule. They don't even have Ohio State on the schedule. Like, Penn State at home to start off, set the tone, beat them, beat Eastern Michigan. They're better than Notre Dame. They're better than Michigan. They're better than Illinois. They're better than Army. They're better than Purdue. They're better than Iowa. They're better than Rutgers, better than Northwestern, better than Nebraska. They can go to Minnesota at 11-0. This is a potential 12-0, 11-1 situation. I am going to say Wisconsin is right there for 11-1. Wow. Yeah, the over-under is at 9.5. And, and I think Pound the over. Yeah, you definitely said it. Like just not having Ohio State on the schedule is just means they're one of the, you know, handful of Big Ten teams that don't have an automatic loss on their schedule. So with Penn State being like, you know, maybe the toughest game of the year at home to open the open the season, I just feel like that's I just feel like that's a good a good like tough game for to to open the season, but also to get it at home, I feel like that's favorable and then like just all of their tough games, really all those swing games this year, just about are at home, you know, Michigan at home, uh, Iowa at home, um, Northwestern at home. So I think it's definitely a favorable schedule. I tend to think more of a 10 and two type of season, but, um, but yeah, I'm definitely pounding the over as well. I think, I think, I think it is, this is their, probably their shot. I think Ohio state just doesn't, you know, reload necessarily this much every year like ohio state does reload every year but they they lost a little bit more than usual and if you're gonna get them this seems like a year to get them when they're down but obviously we both we both we both predicted ohio state to go 12 and 0 but i guess that doesn't mean wisconsin can't can't get them in the conference title game this is true this is true all right that'll do it for our big 10 preview how do you see it ending who is the who are the two teams winning the two conferences or two divisions, and who do you have winning the conference? Well, I think we just we just said like it's got to be with the bus both going over. It's got to be Ohio State and Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten championship. And who do you have and, winning? Uh, you got to go Ohio State. Like okay. Ohio State, it really they seem more like the team because just they've done it so much. They haven't done it under Ryan Day, but under Urban Meyer, where they just lose that one inexcusable game at some point and then it just kind of fires them up for the rest of the year and then it just it gets their focus for the rest of the year and by the time the big 10 championship comes around like they just they're murdering teams at that point and i think that's what's going to happen ohio state you know they might get tripped up once in the regular season but by the time the big 10 championship comes around they're going to be a a college football playoff caliber team i'm going to say wisconsin because i want to root for wisconsin down the stretch Oh, man. Hot take. I don't think it's that hot. I think Wisconsin's good. And I think uh, Ohio State's the most people they're going to be for a while right now. So, um, Well, hopefully they're 11-1 and then. And hopefully that that game is actually for a berth yeah. to the playoff. And it's not just Ohio State wins, they're in. If Wisconsin wins, they're going to be number six. Yeah, that would know? stink. <laughs> that would yeah, stink. So, so hopefully, hopefully we got some 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 stakes on that last uh big 10 title game matt green we can follow you on twitter at matt underscore w underscore green i'll keep up with all your great stuff there um we will be back next week sir what do we what do we have left what do we, we have the sec and what in the big 12 yeah big 12 next week and then uh then sec okay i'm ready we're getting really really close we're wrapping up here I'm so yeah, ready to talk actually, about actual um, games. 
me and my brother and my dad, we actually just uh, just dropping shit over here. We actually just I set up this Excel sheet mm. and we just made predictions for like all of Georgia's like offensive numbers, like passing stats, rushing stats, receiving stats, and everything. Mm. We've always talked about doing it, but we've never actually like just predicted all of them. So I'm kind of curious to see how we uh, how it all shakes out. Well, now you're a college football analyst. So exactly. Long story short, my dad thinks JT Daniels is winning the Heisman. Okay. He had like forty-eight touchdowns, and I'm like, let's let's pump the brakes. JT Daniels might not be the quarterback in week. I think he's gonna have a 12. great season, but let's uh, let's pump the brakes on on Joe Burrow numbers over here. Can we just see if he's gonna finish a season? Yeah, that's true. He's got to. Uh, I mean, he got through a whole season as a true freshman. He, he tore his ACL. I mean, well, I'm saying since all that. Good. Yeah, he wasn't very good as a true freshman, but um, but yeah, I think he took strides last year. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what uh, George's offense looks like. Yeah, I don't know. we'll we'll see. Hope hope for the worst. I mean, it's all about that Joe Milton. I don't know if you've been reading the the practice reports. Oh, man, it's a it's a four way race from. What no, it it's a three way like. race. Three Five way? hours out. Okay. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna transfer. There's probably an announcement coming tomorrow. Ah, all right. Well, we're going to have to say that for the SEC pod. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be talking about the Tennessee local hour tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, it looks like it's down to Milton and Hooker. Um, but I would I would guess Joe Milton's under center week one against uh, Bowling Green under the lights on the network because they moved that a couple days ahead of time. I think it's like a Thursday night game now. Oh, they're opening on Thursday. Yeah, they put it on primetime. They moved it from oh, the twelfth. Yeah, SEC Network primetime Thursday. Hmm. How do you feel about the Thursday? Uh, I think it's. I don't think Georgia's ever played a Thursday game in my lifetime. I'm. I hope they go smoky gray with one of these. Like, I, I want them to bring up the smoky grays, and they'll never bring the black ones. But the smoky grays, I, I very much love. Hey. So. They got to bring him back, right? Like, that was Jeremy Pruitt just being a, just yeah. a curmudgeon. It's like, just an easy recruiting thing, too. Especially, they were sick. Like, those are those are sick uniforms. I, I, I wholeheartedly As agree. As a Georgia fan, like, I respected those smoky gray Tennessee uniforms. People they were, were tight when they were that. with Nike. When they, once they switched to Nike. Like, the first ones they rocked when they were with Adidas. Yeah. Ah, not so much. But once they, once they switched to Nike, that's when they actually looked sick. People are worried about that game right now, and like they're they're fine. Like Bowling Green's one of the three worst college football teams. In the per- like, don't worry about Hypo yet. Like that, that. I kind of like it because um, I feel like Steve Spurrier kind of, you know, really created something at South Carolina. Like they they kind of regularly had those Thursday games, and it, I feel like it kind of made them into a national, you know, a more nationally relevant program. Rutgers like, was doing this. Yeah, there's. I miss I miss the good college football games on Thursday night. Yeah. Honestly, I I hate the NFL on Thursday like so much with a passion. Like, I I don't even like actively boycott it. I almost like it's like my mind doesn't even register to watch NFL on Thursday. It's just like I'm not even a huge NFL fan. But when Sunday one after one o'clock in the afternoon comes around, it's just like, well, this is what you do. It's it's Sunday. I'll watch NFL. But Thursday, I don't know. I just I hate it. I I want to I want to see, you know, Kansas State and 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 Baylor on on a Thursday night. You know, give me like a, a quality like second tier Power Five matchup. Like that's what I want. Like you can get some some good MAC games sometimes, but I like when they actually give me you know Oklahoma State West Virginia on a Thursday night. 
Okay. Okay. Matt Green, you stay safe out there, uh, down there in Dacula, Georgia, high school football season. Very close. Next week, actually. Yes, sir. Right around the corner. Get those season tickets. Take go check out the Falcons. Yeah, take the take the loved one over. Let her finally experience Dacula football. Get her some Dacula Falcons gear. Have some fun this fall. It's open back up. I want, I want you story to put time. Some respect on that Dacula pronunciation. All mm-hmm. right, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had uh, one too many. Okay, <laughs> draw the line. For that guy down there in Dacula, Georgia, Matt Green. For myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all we've got. But we'll be back next week. Uh, Big 12. Uh, what's left of the Big 12? <laughs> we'll see what happens in the next six days. But, Matt, thank you as always, my friend. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, if you guys listen to this episode on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you could leave the show a five-star rating and a review. Um, it helps more than you know. Tell a friend, all that good stuff. The Chase Thomas Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com to read all my work every day. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com and uh, follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, please like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Uh, you can email me. Don't forget at Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com with any questions, mailbag stuff, all that great uh, content and whatever you have questions about, just uh, email me Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Uh, new episodes every day. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.